Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show. This week we are looking at your money maintenance. We're going to break this down into annual, quarterly and monthly tasks to ensure that you stay on point financially and win the game on your terms. Make sure you take plenty of notes, but as always, make sure you take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Orenshaw. Here back again, Mr. Baxter, another week, another episode. Pleasure to be here. Now, one thing that you and I both espouse in the fitness space is maintenance, eating right, training hard, keeping up to date. However, that is critically important also in the money space, albeit something that a lot of people actually neglect doing, money maintenance. Money maintenance, very, very important. So if you've taken the steps that we've talked about in our series of getting yourself moving, you've budgeted, you've started investing and all the different parts of the, the process, maintenance is a key thing. And one of the, I guess it's a, it's a huge, it's a cardinal sin is that people make the mistake, they just forget to do anything. They put things into autopilot, just let it run sideways. And, and the danger of that is that sometimes it can be years, if not longer, decades even, whereby um there's a need to take remedial action and correct course, but you've left it an awful long time to do that. So the action that you need to take becomes very, very dramatic. Whereas a little bit of maintenance, like I always say, especially with property, you're better to do maintenance and have to repair something. It's an awful lot cheaper and keeps things in good order. That's right. And it doesn't necessarily mean looking at this day to day or even week to week, because you might have some passive investments, say in a managed fund or with a financial planner, whatever it may be. Although even a quarterly or a yearly review, which would be important for those kinds of investments, despite being passive, right? Absolutely. You, you, you have to keep your on the prize. Ultimately, this is you, it's your money, it's your future. And it, you know, if you've got to have a more vested interest in that than than somebody else, so we'll go through and provide a bit of a practical timetable. We'll look at stuff that needs to be done annually, and then maybe we might get a little bit more focused on the for those overachievers and look at what you can be doing on a quarterly or even a monthly basis to really turbocharge and keep you on point. I was going to say hourly, but anyway, we'll, we'll go with that. It's obsessive RCA, right? So remedial corrective action is what we're talking to here. Yep. Let's start with annual. So we start big picture, assuming you've already got a portfolio of investments and a budget, as you say, and then we'll get we'll get more specific. So annual reviews, AB, what are you looking at? Well, let's give people a bit of a checklist and we'll start off with insurance. Yawn, yawn, I get it. Um, and one of the key things, and yeah, you know, there's a whole multitude of insurance. So for example, if you're a landlord, reviewing your landlord insurance, maybe getting a requote to see if you can get more comprehensive cover for less money somewhere else, making sure that the level of cover is adequate for your property portfolio. Uh, perhaps the value of the portfolio has gone up and therefore you need more coverage is a really simple example if you're in the property space. Um, looking on a, on a more personal level, uh, looking at your life insurance, that area that nobody nobody really likes to think about because ultimately it kicks in when you kick the bucket. So it's not, you know, it's not my problem, but potentially you're leaving quite a messy problem for your family. So um, over the course of the year, let's say for argument's sake, your debt has increased, you've bought a, a, a further investment property, for example, has your life insurance increased accordingly to be able to cover the mortgage repayment on that if you fall off the perch. Uh, and and this, is, this is a really important thing to look at. Other circumstantial things that can happen from a life insurance perspective is that you, know, you may, may have had another child in addition to the family, in which case, again, what you're leaving behind when you go, is it going to be adequate to cover? You know, let's say for argument's sake, you've, you know, you've got a 700 grand mortgage and three kids under 12 uh, and you're leaving a million dollars worth of life insurance and it's admirable that you're doing that. But by the time that mortgage is paid out, that's leaving $200,000 for your partner to raise three children and 
they may or may not have the ability to work, depending on, of course, whether they're the primary care and how old the kids are and whether it's school and so on and so forth. So there's an example there where you'd need to increase the insurance policy that you have to make sure if, if it's something that's important to you after death, all your debts are sorted out and your family are well provisioned for. And I think at least annually is a very, very good time to, to review that. Um, it makes sense to do that on an annual basis as part of you know, potentially your end of financial year um, checklist of things to go through, but certainly insurance. TPD, have you had a change in job? Um, and let's say you know you may have been retrenched or furloughed from a particular career and you've started to do something different. Um, maybe new, that new career um, may be more dangerous or less dangerous than what it was that you're doing. So let's say that you were a tree lopper in a previous life where you probably have yeah, fairly extensive uh, TPD, total permanent disability insurance, because the risk of an injury for you at work was really quite substantial. If you've changed jobs and now you design web pages, um, you know, obviously there's by quite, a, risk, yeah. quite a, an order of change in risk. So do you need the same TPD? Have you you know, reflected that with your insurer to say, look, I don't cut trees down anymore. I now build websites, therefore my premium should be lower. They're the sorts of things I think from an insurance perspective, car insurance and other, other types of risk insurance, always have a review through, see where you can get a better deal somewhere else because at the end of the day, a saving is as good as a profit. Saving heaps, you could in, in that essence. Mm -hmm. So speaking of which, what's what about a sort of a, a, a refinance on your mortgage, particularly at the current climate? Yep. I think when you've been in an environment where interest rates have, have moved around, uh, quite considerably, um, checking on what you're paying uh, and then looking for uh, alternates can be quite a good thing there. Um, you know, your finance broker probably won't like it too much because of the way that they get paid their trail, but ultimately this is your journey um, in, in terms of making sure you optimise the money that you have. So certainly looking around to find where you can get a, a keener interest rate. And again, um, you know, it might seem, oh, it's only 0.5% different, but if that's on a 4 or $5 million dollar uh, property Big portfolio is a substantial saving. And again, a saving is as good as a profit. You've got to work hard for your money. So finding out ways of uh, of making sure that you're optimizing it by borrowing at the best possible rate you can is key. Got you. What about tax deductibility, speaking of which, something like a tax depreciation report mm. might be good to review annually? Exactly right. So from an investment property owner, and that's obviously yeah, where you've come across Always these. thinking, yeah. Um, that they are crucial and a lot of people balk at it, oh, what do I need that for? But when you actually open the door to what you can depreciate in, a, in an investment property, if you've got the right kind of reporting, uh, and this is all totally legitimate, uh, so get a good uh, tax depreciation report done and you might increase the tax deductibility that you have in there. Uh, it may that you've done some um, improvements to the property, for example, that you're able to write off over three or four years or five years, which is typically the case. You put a kitchen or bathroom in, that can be depreciated over you know, five years, for example, and, and, and huge tax benefits to you doing that. So again, um, this is not about um, and I get moral frame on this, you know, it's not all oh, the rich get richer, people trying to dodge tax. This is simply the rule book that everyone has in front of them. And our obligation is to make sure that our clients are able to play as efficiently and effectively uh, as they can within the rules that are stated. Speaking of which, what about a rent review? Recent rules have come into play with that in terms mm. of how much you can increase. Mm. But of course, if your tenants have a lease expiring every six or maybe likely 12 months, it's probably privy to either up that, keep it the same, or at least put some thought into it. Absolutely. I mean, a typical rent review is usually CPI, uh, which unfortunately, yeah, that's pretty normal. That means it's fair. When inflation's running at 7%, a lot of people are like, oh, blimey, 7% jump in my rate. Well, yeah, that's CPI. We're all living with a higher cost of living. Um, also, you've got a higher cost of finance to fund 
your investment property too. So you need to be able to offset that in some way. Uh, but I think, yeah, an annual rent review, when especially when tenants come off, a, 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 if you've got great tenants, keep them. It's sometimes a, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush and you might get a, a marginally better rent from somebody that's new, but they might set a meth lab up in your investment property. So if you've got someone that's been, you know, a, a, you know, a, a good tenant that treats the place as if they owned it and really looks after it, that's often worth a little bit more than just simply upping the rent. But that's a commercial decision that all landlords um, you know, have to face. But I think looking at an annual rent review is, is crucial. It's a major part of, uh, of what needs to happen. And I guess you know, on that subject, yeah, there's the whole end of financial year bundle of things to do. Oh, yeah. How could I forget? And, and, and you know, sitting down with your accountant pre-June 30, because you need to do it pre-June 30 so you can take action steps between you know, that meeting and, and the end of the tax year um, enables you to um, flow things through in the most effective and efficient manner. Uh, make sure you're claiming everything you can claim. Um, if you've got a variety of different entities, it may be that there are you know dividends or distributions that need to be paid through there to optimize things. But again, end of May is probably the time to be doing that. And that then leaves you all of June to move the shekels around the table uh, and sort things out. Uh, and, and this is all prudent money management. And it's at the, we're talking about once a year having to do all of this. And if you set yourself, you know, to all intents and purposes, one day a year to do all of this, you could do that. So it's not something that's, in, and, and when I say a day a year, that's someone that's got investment properties, they've got a variety of other investments, um, you know, they've got a, an accountant that deals with their tax, all of the above, you could do all of that in one day. And no that's, that's your maintenance done. So it's not this Herculean task. Uh, and the return on time uh, is, is absolutely huge. Uh, in terms of what you could potentially save yourself or generate for additional returns. So that's your annual checklist. There are more things in there, but that gives you some pretty good headlines to get stuck into. All right, let's go quarterly and then AB. Where do we start? Mm, quarterly is an interesting one. Obviously, if, you, if you're self-employed uh, or you run a business, you've got your tax and BAS uh, that needs to be done on a quarterly basis. And again, these are important things to do because when those areas get out of control, they're very, very hard to rein back in. And as someone that's self-employed, it can be very, very easy to be chasing new business or pushing things along or being the rainmaker in, in your particular entity that are oh, the admin, that'll sort itself out later on. But there are consequences for that. You know, number one, there are penalties from the tax office if things are lodged late. Uh, secondly, there's a risk of audit if things are you know continually done late. But perhaps thirdly is the actual damage that it does to the cash flow in your business, whereby you might think you've got X in your bank account, and you're rubbing your hands going, oh, we've had a cracker of a year. Uh, but you might be too bass behind uh, and all of a sudden that number looks quite different. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you see a lot of people go to the wall because they're not able to manage the tax side of their affairs effectively, efficiently. And if you've got a good accountant, um, they will help keep you on track with these sorts of things. Uh, and it's something that's really important to build into your service level agreement with your accountant and say, hey, can you just make sure yeah, we're on top of this? If you don't want to pay for that service, here's a real cheat sheet for you. Print off one piece of A4 every month list the month, list your uh, installment activity statement, which is typically you pay as you go for each month, each quarter, have your BAS statement, have it as a checkbox. When you've received it, lodged it and paid it, tick it off, you know you're up to date. Perfect. Simple, put it in a plastic uh, sleeve in an AVOR folder on your desk and, and you know where you're at. But basic as that may sound, there are so many self-employed people get themselves into a real pickle with that where they're behind literally quarters, years with their tax. And the downside of that, you might go, oh, well, it's the tax office, it's the creditor. But if you're someone that's looking to borrow uh, and do property, for example, um, you can't get finance if you're not up to date with your tax. You must keep on top of these things. So quarterly for your BAS, get that done. That's that's something that's, 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 that's really important in there. 
What about super in there as well? Similar sort of thing if you're a business owner in particular, paying yourself super or your employees? Yeah, I, I usually pay my 12-month super as early as I can, uh, put, put the full whack in as quickly as I can, and then I've got the benefit of that money working for me for that tax year. Equally, um, you know, some people store, forget, or, or don't quite get around to it, and then you miss that window of 27 and a half grand of up to $27,500 of you know, concessional contributions that you can be putting in there um, into your super. And, and, and you know, it's important to make sure that you provide for you know, life after work. So certainly keeping on top of your super, get it paid in at the minimum, of course, Quarterly, um, definitely, if you can do it in a different way that suits your um, your investment strategy, uh, then then that's better still. All right, well, let's try chat more now about our investments. So, mm-hmm. quarterly, arguably, probably a good time to do a, a review of your assets and how they're performing investment wise. I think so. Looking at the performance on on a trading account, for example, or a managed fund, is definitely the way to go. And usually. Um, when things aren't going well uh, and you happen to flag that something's not going well, the advisor will say to you, oh, this is a long-term strategy. Don't just judge it on a quarter-by-quarter quarter basis. But I do think it's important to pick up early if something is is underperforming. Uh, and, you know, you can then put a bit of a red flag on it to say, okay, it's a long-term investment. It's, you know, it's whatever it might be. Um, but we had a pretty, pretty, pretty poor quarter. Let's see what the next quarter looks like. And if that's the same too, um, you know, as ASIC would say uh, in a client notice, you know, past performance is no guarantee of future performance. You know, something is a pretty damn good indicator of future performance. So, you know, if you've had two quarters of bad performance, why would you want to wait a third or a fourth or a fifth quarter? Um, it's time to have that conversation with your advisor saying, listen, this isn't working. What are we doing? How are we putting it right? And I guess from someone that owns a, you know, a, a number of different businesses in the finance space, um, and, and particularly in the retail finance space, those kinds of conversations with clients are good conversations to have because they can manage expectations on both parties, but also it gives you the ability to fix things rather than let things fester. So it doesn't become this big remedial action that's needed. You go, okay, well, we can change the strategy slightly. So to give an example, if you were investing in US equities and you'd had an okay quarter, uh, maybe you know the your trading was up maybe eight or nine percent for the quarter, which is a nice return to be making. But there had been a currency move, for example, against the Aussie dollar uh, of say ten or eleven percent, which can happen in in, in times of interest rate moves, uh, where there's a, a differential between the two countries. The net return for the client, they'd be looking at going on oh, down a couple of percent. What's going on here on the quarterly review? But you could say absolutely, and these are the reasons why, and actually explain that it's an exchange rate move rather than the investment strategy. Okay. That way, you could continue with the investment strategy, but maybe put in play some hedging on the currency, or provide. It's called an attribution analysis, where the client then understands where the performance is happening or not. That kind of conversation will leave the client feeling okay because because they then understand that what they've done hasn't been wrong. It's just simply been an exchange rate move versus changing tactics and moving into a strategy that may be less suited for them. Really simple, but when you have that kind of conversation, you're able to arrange a fix up fairly quickly and all parties are on the same page. Really simple example. You probably should be having a review of advice if you are using a financial planner each quarter, right? Look, financial planners typically, um, there's a requirement under the law to, to if you've provided a client with a, a statement of advice to go back to them and say, listen, um, it's been a year, uh, we need to go through and check in with you to make sure any of your details haven't changed, um, you know, dependence, debt, all of that sort of stuff, um, and, uh, and, and update the advice that we provided in regard to markets. 
The challenge with that is 12 months is an awful long time uh, when it comes to investment markets, especially in the current kind of economy where things can move rapidly and go from being a little nip to something that's got fangs that bite you to the bone. Uh, and so on that basis, you know, typically a half year review is, is really where most financial planners would kind of draw the line. I think quarterly is still important because you know, attention to detail is key and there should be no more attention spent than on your financial future. Uh, and having that quarterly conversation, we go, look, let's get out of bonds because interest rates are moving up and, and bonds aren't going to work well under those circumstances and be in, and, uh, in equities or be, into, or be short bonds or whatever it may be. There's no point in having that conversation 12 months after the fact. Absolutely. I think that's really critically important. Now, you may get charged for that variation of advice uh, which or revision to advice, which a lot of financial planners do. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're getting a better, you know, if you're getting value for money and you can ascertain whether it's worth paying the fee to, to change tax, that's why I'm a huge fan of people having control themselves. It saves gotcha. a fortune in fees. But yeah, that's an example where you might pay a little bit, but longer term, the, the potential performance are obviously significant in terms of the lift that you're going to get from it. Yeah. How could we forget too, by the way, quarterly AB, a landlord inspection. If you've got investment properties or at least one of them, go and have a look at it. Absolutely. Whether that be just a drive-by uh, or whether it's a, a more formal um, tenant inspection. I'm a huge advocate for this. And, and it, again, it's easy to outsource to your letting agent. And my experience over the years with letting agents, um, there are some good ones out there, but the majority of them, they don't treat it as if it's their home that they're letting out. And therefore, the level of service and attention to detail is not there. Um, you know, they'll take a very generic crawl through and go, oh, yeah, they're okay. They're paying the rent on time. They get the letting agents getting paid his rent roll. Happy days. Yeah, yeah, they're paying the rent on time. They're pretty reasonable. You know, it's okay. It's up together. And you actually go and look at the place and it's like, you know, it's a, like Beirut on a bad day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have one example of that. I had a brand new, I, I did a, a renovation. It was a 1970s uh, building. And it was 20 odd. 28 units in there and we did an internal external renovation on all of them and I went in and looked at one of the units and they'd set fire to the curtains in the kitchen and oh, there was no. massive burns all over brand new kitchen bench and it's like oh that's fair wear and tear it's like it's not fair wear nope. and tear and and you know that by the time they move out the exit clean won't be done and the place is going to be trashed and you're behind and you can't relet it for a month and you've, so you know rather than have that issue I think it's it's good to actually go and do those site visits um, as I said earlier doing a drive-by uh, doesn't work for a high-rise obviously or a multi-dwelling, but if you've got a, a, a standalone property, doing a drive-by can often be a good thing because you know, the way people do anything is how they do everything. Uh, and again, you drive by the front yard and there's four bombed out cars, rusty bike on the lawn and the grass is you know, knee deep. Um, the inside's not going to be looking real flashy, no. either, you'd probably guess. And as a consequence, you know, you want to up your vigilance on there. So a quarterly inspection, I think, is is, is a more than reasonable thing to do uh, as a landlord, both inside and out. And, and you know, it's not that hard. Um, you know, it, it really isn't that hard to do. And you go, oh, I'm busy. But, you know, let's say you've got a property that's interstate. You're going down to Sydney for the weekend and you've got a property there. Well, go and get an Uber out to the joint and go and have a look or arrange for your letting agent to pick you up and take you out to see it better yet, make them earn their money. Yeah, absolutely. Let's chat monthly. AB, let's get a little shorter term on this. Pointy and overachievers, hey? exactly just like yourself. Right. <laughs> Already the weekly and hourly and daily episodes, a separate cover. We'll, we'll go through that. Um, so monthly goals, big part. Absolutely. Where I are you at? Where I, are you going? I, I, I think ultimately you've always got to ask yourself, you know, this month have I got closer to my goals? And, 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 and there's no point saying closer to or further away. If, if you haven't got closer to your goal, 
you've got further away by default because you've now got less time left in your life to get there. It's as simple as that. And that may seem a little harsh. You know, we've talked about that four or five years in a row now when we've done our goal setting, how important right. it is to move forward. So yeah, going through and having a review of your goals. Have you made progress towards them? Have you achieved anything? If you have, make sure you reward yourself. Um, yeah, it might be that you're looking for another property. So how much work have you actually done through the month? You've been on real estate looking every day to see what's coming up or at the weekends, if that's what your gig is, or going to a couple of open houses. But have you been taking those action steps or do you expect this next property to land in your lap? If you follow the market, have you been following your trading trading plan? Have you been going through your watch list um, as you should be? Uh, all of those different things to ensure that you're on top of what you're doing. You're actively taking steps to ensure that they happen as opposed to hope they happen because hope is not a strategy. So looking at your goals and the work that you've done towards them is crucial. And if you haven't if you haven't made progress towards your goal, there's two things to do. Number one, you've got to ask yourself the difficult question, why is that? And of course, I was busy. Everyone's busy. That's the stock standard go-to excuse for achieving nothing in life. The reality is the goal may not be that important to you, in which case it's the wrong goal. It's as simple as that. And that's easy. You can change tax. You, you, you can say, look, this was a goal that was important to me. Um, when I set out my plan at the start of the year, but 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 now it's not. I've changed my my view on property, for example, has changed, uh, and I'm not looking to buy another property now. So that goal of looking at real estate every week, you can put a line through it and find something more productive that's conducive to your outcome to get you there. Um, but yeah, very very important to do that on a monthly basis. Never break the chain. Our favourite man, James Clear's uh, motto on that. That's you right. Know, you got to keep that consistency of achievement up month in month out. Totally. Speaking of which, what about if we look at consistency? First thing that comes to my mind would be budget. Mm. So reviewing budget, expenditure, and of course, what, what you're earning as well. Yep. So one of the tools that we provide in our online portal um, is, is a budgeting tool. Uh, and we've talked extensively about budgeting in the past, and budgeting isn't something to hit you over the head with. All budgeting means is that you take proactive steps now to manage how you spend things to guarantee you can get the color in life that you want later. It's a delayed gratification tool, that's all. And it doesn't have to be this sledgehammer that penalizes you and you're walking around in a in a, in a potato sack and, 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 and eating rotten bread. Um, it just ensures that you're provisioning for what's important to you in the future and it makes it a reality that that can happen. And everybody can uh, over the line of what their budgets are. We all get blowouts from time to time. And let's face it, for a lot of people these days, you know, a trip to the supermarket can result in a blowout for their budget because it's so damned expensive out oh, yeah. there to try and live now. Uh, and hence why earlier on uh, in our financial structuring, our money and investing structuring, we talk about having those emergency funds and contingencies to, to take you through the more difficult times as they come up. But I do think it's important to look at your budget, A, to see if you're adhering to it, or B, to see if it needs shifting in, in the context of the world. And I've literally just gone through this at home uh, with Em, my, my wife, um, in that obviously, yes, we've got five kids and, and the kids' activities are changing continually. And what we had in a, a sort of, I guess, kid budget, if you wanted to call it that, has had to shift to reflect that. My, my, my daughter got a horse uh, 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 last year. And so 
the budget around that has had to shift because we have somebody comes over to train, there's Lucent and Rhodes Hay and all these new things. Sounds like Cordella fun. and no, oh, mate, no, we could do a, uh, we could do a. I would a, hate a, to know your monthly kid budget, <laughs> to be fair. There's a lot of them. Um, and so we've just had to shift what that budget then looks like. And it's not a problem because yes, we can afford it. But the reason we can afford it is because we take care of the detail like that. So that number is nudged up. And so what does that really mean? Do we have to cut back on something else? Or are we in a position where we go, well, okay, that's a new additional expense on here. So we're going to increase what we put into the household coffers by X amount. Uh, How do we do that? Well, we can retrieve extra income from somewhere else uh, and add that to it. Or maybe your budget for your savings shifts a little bit or whatever it may be. But the fact of the matter is it's accounted for, you know, it's there and it's not, not this incoming tide of I don't know where my money goes, which is an awful feeling that people have to endure and don't think I'm sitting up in my ivory tower because I've been through this firsthand and I know what it's like not to have money and you've got more month than money and it's an awful feeling. Get budgeting under control so you know where things are going, that mystery that goes and there's a level of clarity and then you can take affirmative action to fix things up. Maybe if, if you run into a tighter budget, Maybe you don't go out for dinner three times a month. It drops to two times a month because you need that extra. Well, let's face it. What does it cost to go out for dinner now? It's a few hundred bucks before you start. 150 at least for at two least, people. Right. And so there's 150 that from the extra dinner then comes back into the coffers to offset X, Y, or Z. And it may not be horse fees. It might be a higher electricity bill, which is another one. Oh, yeah. Haven't seen the government come out and give everyone their 275 bucks yet. I'm waiting for that. Yeah, a couple of years. Checks in the mail. Don't worry, we'll it come. It was their intention, though. They never promised it. Remember that. <laughs> Lastly on here, if I can add one, AB, one of my favorites would just be in terms of short-term planning. So yep. what are you looking at doing next over the space of, let's say, the next three or so months? Okay, surge. Let's call it a surge. The surge. So what's the power play or the surge? So there's something when you've gone three goals and gone, now this is really, this is, this is, this is my it for this month and this is do or die, this is getting done. And and this doesn't necessarily have to be in the money space. It can be exercise. I'm off to the med in a couple of weeks' time, so I've got to get my shredding underway. You better get started. Sorry, my shredding is underway. It is underway. <laughs> um, and, and so that would be an example where there's a surge from a health and fitness perspective. Uh, equally, from a business perspective, I've got you know, four chapters of a book I need to get completed in the very near future. So I've got a surge on that. In, in the case of the money spotlight, let's say... Um, there was a, a, a the market had tanked and the stock market had dropped quite heavily. You might then have a surge on looking for opportunities that are going to be great value opportunities in in that context of a very short term uh, situation there. Or it may be that your tenants have just moved out of your investment property and you need to give it a bit of a spruce up because you want to jump the rent a little bit. And the builder has said, oh yeah, we'll get a builder and it's going to be two months to do that. Two months without rent, not ideal. You know what that can be like too. Mm-hmm. So my surge is, look, I've got a long weekend. I've got some leave saved up. I'm going to take a week off. I'm going to do, I've gone online. I've watched Jamie Jewelry. I'm going to have a crack at the garden. We're going to get it painted and get the carpet steam cleaned. And you just have that full week of just focused on that investment property where by the time you've put that week in, it's almost like, you know, you see some of these TV shows where there's a house transformation That's over right, a yeah. fairly short period of time uh, and, and you're able to add value considerably like that. So that would be an example where, you know, you've picked something and it's going to be 
the focal point of your energy on, on getting things moved through. If, if you're somebody that invests in managed funds, it may be that you go through the CanStar reports and look for arguably where maybe there's some better performance that you might be seeking out. But the point is, it's a very concerted effort. And if you find yourself one or two of these surge things every month, probably one, and just make it your primary focus, it's amazing how much the needle can move. It's kind, oh, of, yeah. like, it's kind of like the sort of magnifying glass with the sun on an ant when you're a kid, you know, or trying to set fire to a bit of grouse whatever it might be, um, you know, it, it's a concentration of power and, and attention. And that's how you move the needle massively. And if you set yourself up with 12 months of that, my goodness me, you're in for a very good year. Oh, yeah. AB, I think that kind of covers it. Our money maintenance, anything else make that it comes a game. to mind? Look, that, that's the key thing with all this. Isn't make it serious? a game. Make it a game and make it a game that you fully intend to win. All right. You, you betcha. Game on. Good on you, mate. Thanks very much today, AB. Absolute pleasure. Anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a rating and a review, and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.